1: Hello, welcome back to New Books in Medicine, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. My name is Claire Clark. I'm one of the hosts on this channel. And today we'll be, sp- we'll be speaking with Ximena Canales about her wonderful new book, Bedeviled, A Shadow History of Demons in Science. Hemena, welcome to the show. Thank you, Claire. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I wonder if you could begin by telling us just a little bit about yourself.
0: Hi um uh, I'm a historian of of science and technology and this is my third book. I my first book is a tenth of a second a history and uh, and I joke that it's the uh the longest book ever written about the shortest period in history. <laughs> And um, my my second book is called The Physicist and the Philosopher: Einstein, Bergson, and the Debate That Changed Our Understanding of Time. And it takes takes uh, the topic is a famous meeting in April 6, 1922, between Albert Einstein and the person who was at the time one of the most famous philosophers in Europe, Henri Bergson, and and it's uh, an account of their. Um, differing notions of what what time was and who had the authority to to speak about it and bedeviled is my my third book and I have to say it's really the book that I wanted to write all along so I'm very happy that it's out and done
1: oh so how did you how did you come to write it so if this is when you've been thinking about for a long time
0: huh I have. I mean, it, it, uh, one of the, the, the things that struck me even as a graduate student when, when I started studying the, the history of science was that many of the scientists that I studied and, 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 and when I read their technical research papers used the word demon when they didn't understand something completely. And these questions, these demons, very frequently uh, became named. They were giving the name of famous scientists. So the last name of uh, Descartes, Rene Descartes, the famous uh, philosopher. He he gave birth to Descartes' demon. And the, there were sub- subsequent other other demons. Laplace's demon named after Pierre Simon Laplace. Maxwell's demon uh, named after James Clerk Maxwell so for many many years i started collecting the references to demons in in, in scientists' own work and obviously this seemed pretty counterintuitive to me why, why did they refer to uh, use that term so constantly
1: yes. and so and, and so each of these great thinkers had a had his own demon and for each one it kind of um, it symbolized the limits of the limits of science, the limits of rationality, the limits of of what they could understand. Mm-hmm. But but they're not. But they aren't like metaphorical demons. Can uh, uh, anyway? Can you say more about them and and why the book is a shadow history? Thank you.
0: So so yes, they're they're not metaphorical. It's a literal term, a term that the scientists themselves themselves used um, and but I, but I f- I found as I as I collected the references that that they really served as a way to understand the development of science more generally um, across the book covers four centuries so it starts with Descartes' demon in the seventeenth century and it goes pretty much close to to the, the the present, so these these imaginary creatures really drove scientific uh, research forward because, as you say, they the whenever a scientist proposed a theory, there was something that this theory didn't cover in its entirety, and uh, so one example is Einstein's demon, which became a label to refer to. To quantum mechanics, so after Einstein developed his theory of relativity, there were still some issues that that theory couldn't really explain the the sub the, the world of uh, subatomic uh, physics and 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 it drove research forward so so they, they, these imaginary creatures in a sense uh, show us what gets done uh, in in history, yeah.
1: So so each each breakthrough has a kind of shadow, has oh, a yes. kind of so dark. a dark side, mm-hmm. something that's unknowable, and so it's like you know I was I, I was, as as I was reading, I was thinking it's it's not just it's a history of demons in science, but it's also really sort of creative way of telling the history of science because it's a history of science not through, sort of knowledge mm-hmm. or you know being slowly amassed, but a history of science through the limits of science, Absol- really,
0: and absolutely, and going back to, to your question of uh, of of the the shadow. So, one of the the frustrating and fascinating things about being a historian of science is that um, um, it's very common to encounter scientists who who say that they never were able to foresee the effects of their research they were never able to foresee the technologies that came from their initial investigations so there there's something about the the history of science and technology understood broadly that appears a little bit irrational you know that 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 it's not guided and it's not controlled and it surprises people so i wanted to 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 understand that better, as a historian and philosopher of science, with the hope that we can get a better grasp on the development and understand better where we're going and what we're doing and for, for what reason, and the demons seem to me a way to get at this unconscious drive, because nobody had had really uh, told the history of these these demons, although they're they're so so prevalent, and uh, and and because they explain so well, they appear in places of. Um, uh, important discoveries and great historical transformations. So that's where the shadow label comes in. Well, and another really interesting thing about these demons is
1: that they cast—they all cast a really long shadow. So it's not like it's, it's sort of you, the, 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 the history goes in, in chronological order, starting with Descartes and then you know moving forward in time. But the the demons don't like. They don't get replaced one right after the other, right? Like they, they are all all sort of continue to to live on all the way way up to the present day. So, um, so can you say a little bit about you know why in the twenty first century should we be taking? Demons,
0: great, great question. seriously. Um, um, thank you so much. So, so yes, you're absolutely right. And let me start with the, the example of the first one, because I, I believe it, it is still one of the most important. And Descartes' demon uh, was was thought up by René Descartes in uh, one of the most famous texts of philosophy, his first meditation. It's, it's a text that, that some of us know or has become famous because it introduced the, the phrase cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. And in that text, Descartes tried to get at the very basic roots of rationality, which were the things that were not up for debate. Or doubt. So one reads the book today, and it's a little bit weird because he has these very simple list. very simple things, for example, that two plus three equals five, that a triangle is made made of three pieces and three angles, that a circle is the circumference around a point. And you're like, okay, well, you know, why why, why does somebody have to write, you know, this book about such basic truths? But the reason why Descartes did it, and the reason because that the book became so important and became the founding text of modern philosophy, was because he, he wondered, he questioned, uh, what if a demon came and took over his senses? What if it installed a virtual reality in front of you? How then... Would you be able to figure out what was true in this in, in in this world, given those circumstances? But what's interesting, what I do in the book is I I, I place uh, Descartes in the context of the new theater technologies and new media, including novels like El Quijote that was referenced by by Descartes when he wrote uh, these these pages so Descartes was already very concerned with a world of spectacle and entertainment and science and media that from our perspective, you know, theater and cult tricks and having fireworks and, and uh, automata get on stage, it seems, you know, uh, uh, very, very low tech and nothing that we need to worry about. But they were real innovations at the time. And it was one of the first times that we started thinking about, you know, fake news um, um a fake reality. Mm-hmm. So Descartes demon then come continues to to come up. It's it's a figure that is used frequently by philosophers who still want to get at, you know, what is the basic thing that our brain can do and how can we fend ourselves uh, uh against the you know being deceived, having being deceived through through our senses. So that's one aspect, but it also drives research into well, how can we actually go and Deceive uh, um, um, uh, our, our reality, put an alternative reality, and that drives, I think, uh, pretty much to this day, research into virtual reality uh, technologies. You know, from the Oculus Rift uh, to 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 theater and cinema uh, that that install a, a reality and take us to a different world. And so, yes.
1: Oh, right, right. So uh, there's the, so the very first demon descartes demon has to do with technology but actually i mean it seems all of all of the demons are relate yeah right are related Mm -hmm. um to both to particular technologies Mm -hmm. like i'm thinking with laplace you know computers but Mm -hmm. also to kind of the history of technology in general and themes and yes um and the history of technology
0: yes Yes, no, that's, that's, that's right. And, and that's why I turned to to the, term, to the term demon in order to try to figure out, you know, it's very difficult uh, um, uh, when one looks at the history of technology and say, like, you know, we, we can find links that take us from the steam engine to the microchip little by little. But why is it that nobody uh, thought that the microchip, at the time of the steam engine, thought that the microchip was going to be invented? There, there there's uh, an essential unpredictability and 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 an essential uh, lack of awareness and consciousness into how technology develops, uh, and and uh, and nobody gets it right. Not even you know science fiction writers. It's, mm-hmm. And and um and I, I thought that that perhaps you know getting at these other drives, these unconscious drives of scientists, these big questions could help us understand the, the way things have gone. Yeah.
1: Right. So, so so that, so after Descartes, the next demon is, am I saying the name, right? Laplace, Laplace. Is Mm -hmm. is that okay. (laughs) Um, And, um, and, and this one is really most closely linked to, um, to, to computers, yes, um, and um, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, could you tell tell us a little bit how about um, uh, the the kind of the the history of, of of this demon and what what it represents?
0: Wonderful, thank you. Yeah, so so Laplace demon was a creature of the the French Revolution, and um, the name refers to Pierre Simon Laplace who was one of the most famous scientists of, of the time. He was uh, a professor to Napoleon, who actually gave him a, a, a scientific post at one point in, in, in his life. And uh, Laplace was known for two great volumes on the history of astronomy, Mechanique Celeste. And he really was responsible for, for thinking about the loss of motion in the universe in terms of you know, some sort of uh, clockwork and writing the equations for it and Laplace had an idea again a conjecture he said, you know what what would happen if there was an intelligence and he used the word intelligence uh, not demon it became named a demon afterwards, which is very frequently the case. The same thing happened with with Descartes. so Laplace wondered what if there was a an intelligence that was big enough? that it could know the, knowing the position of every atom in the world and knowing the laws of motion, it would compute the data. And then he said, this intelligence would potentially know the development of the universe uh, into the future. And also, um, given, given the equations, you could tell all of the past that led to that future, that very determinate future. So, so Laplace's idea proved extremely fascinating. He's he's also known as the founder of of statistics, and some of the first researchers and 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 people to actually build uh, computers uh, like like Charles uh, Babbage referenced his his brilliant idea and tried to bring it to life. You know, so just just as Descartes' demon was, um, um, many researchers researchers tried to bring him to life in terms of. New virtual reality machines Laplace's demon was brought to life in terms of big calculators that could you know many years later after laplace uh, had this initial idea these these big calculators were part of our technological universe and they could compute um um numbers in a way that that had Laplace had sort of just just dreamt yeah.
1: Yeah, so so each of the demons kind of gives. Well, I, I, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself here. I want to jump. Mm-hmm. I was about to jump to the 20th century, mm-hmm. but let's talk about Maxwell's demon mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Um, so James Clerk Maxwell's demon. He's the most
0: famous. Why? Um, he's and, the one that researchers still are, are are most fascinated with, and he was a creature of the second industrial revolution. Uh, um. References to to him and when he was named date to the eighteen seventies and again he wasn't named by Maxwell. it was others that that named him and gave him gave him that that label and He came up in speculations about thermodynamics and how engines work, so scientists at that time had come up with the laws of of thermodynamics that uh, we learn in school energy cannot be created or destroyed and you can't have do have a perpetual motion machine you you can't create work out of a difference in in temperature and and those those laws were considered to be founding principles of physics and, and science but there were exceptions to those laws people could create engines and people can create refrigerators so there're moments in which you can reverse these basic laws of of science and actually create a situation in which one part of a room, an isolated container, gets colder um, and another one gets, gets hotter. The, these form, you know, these temper, temperature-based um, machines or engines are, drive and power everything from, from cars uh, to uh, thermostats. And, uh, and, and Maxwell's demon was actually the name of the creature who could create these reversals, this thermodynamic reversals this temperature uh, reversals and uh, and and uh, again it was such a fascinating idea that scientists raced to understand this demon better and to build better machines and figure out engine efficiency and why refrigerators work and how how to create get as close as possible to building a perpetual motion machine and he comes up still in 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 research about energy efficiency. So he's definitely the the one that most people know about, most scientists know about. And and if you Google him, you'll see, you know, every once in a while, very, a month or two, there's a new article about Maxwell's demon being built in a new way in, in some new laboratory.
1: Really? So mm-hmm. in, in scientific laboratories today, they're they're building Maxwell's demon. They are really? building
0: Maxwell's yeah. demon. Okay, <laughs> okay. This <laughs> yes, is well driving research uh, goals to to create more and more efficient um, um, motors and energy systems that dissipate less heat and uh, and energy from you know uh, uh, inside computers, microchips uh, to to quantum uh, computers. Yeah, that take advantage oh, okay. of Brownian motion mo- movement of the molecules. and and therefore, um, um, make our world more efficient. Uh,
1: what's what's Brownian motion? Um, so so, so
0: Brown, Brownian motion um, is is one one of the plays plays a role um, in has a um, a important place in 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 the book because it is connected to to Maxwell's demon and it's the the natural movement of molecules. Um, uh, that that they move back and you know back and forth at incredible speeds, and scientists at one point not, noticed if there was a uh, little dust or pollen on 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 a drop of water that that it jiggles um, um, toe and fro, and they wondered if they could use this jiggling of the little particles to create perpetual motion machines and perfect motors, and what they 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 figured out as they were studying Brownian motion and Maxwell's demon was that as you scaled up these effects and as you try to harness the energy of of vibrating molecules all around uh, all around us the movement disappeared. So so but again it's sort of um, there was the dream of coming as close as possible to cr- building a, a a Maxwell's demon. Yeah that.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. So. Um. So that does. Does this lead us into? Can we talk about Einstein for a little bit? Does this lead? Um, Absolutely. Um. Okay. Um. So. Um. So this. This is a story of. of and the book is a story of demons and and science, and we go through, Descartes and Laplace and Maxwell. And then we get to Albert Einstein, and in the story of demons and science, you call him the exorcist. Mm-hmm. So, um, can you tell us how? How so? How is he? He an, thank, thank an you, exorcist? Claire.
0: So, so I So again, I'm. I'm. I'm a very. This book is very. Uh, it. It reads as. Very magical and fairy tale like, yeah. but, but it, it does so by sticking very close to the actors, uh, the categories that the actors used at the time. So Einstein was called an exorcist by the man who made him famous, which is the the uh, British astronomer Arthur Eddington. And uh, and Einstein himself did not use the the word demon again. That is a uh, frequently a part part of this pattern um, but but others ended up thinking of of Einstein's demon as being being the quantum and in quantum mechanics so so Einstein was um uh, celebrated for having proved that certain demons didn't exist he was celebrated for by by Eddington and, and others and called an exorcist and these the the things that he exercised exercised uh, were the Notions of absolute time and space, which Einstein himself claimed they were ghostly notions that that should be swept away from 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 science because there was no proof that they actually existed. And yes, so so that's the 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 middle part of the book is the the Einstein story as an exorcist and how he's his ideas dispel some demons, but then. And he ends up right. unwittingly, you know, coming up with 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 another demon, which something that his own theory of relativity couldn't explain.
1: Right. So so he, he it's it's a little ironic. So he turns out sort of uh, because he he doesn't enti- by the mid twentieth century the demons are are not gone, and in fact give that that period gives birth to mm-hmm. um, a lot of you know. Um, uh, Newer, newer, new demons, uh, new demons right. As so, well okay. as the,
0: the you know the, the, the period we see this accumulation. So they're, they're the old ones that persist in, mm-hmm. in research, and they're new quantum demons that act uh, in, in, in very bizarre ways. And uh, and many of the ways that, that they act, so for example, quantum demons uh, refer to particles that can be in two places at once, they refer to phenomena. This is related to, to the Schrödinger cat example that can be dead and alive at the, the, at the same time. They're incredibly uh, fast. They jump from place to place without seemingly um, um, a mechanical ways of, of traveling so so you can see already from my descriptions that these quantum demons share certain characteristics with the demons of fairy tales and and the demons of, of religion and that is frequently the case as well with the other demons mm.
1: and oh we, we didn't even t- we haven't touched on that at all um you know for for the demons although we say they're not holy they're they're quite um literal and you know in, mm-hmm. in what they they in terms of what they represent
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they they do have different sort of um, they do resonate with different religious traditions mm-hmm. and I I wondered if you could say a little bit about how I mean are, are, if, if there are any um, any themes or, or patterns and and how they relate to religion are they displacing religion are they referring to religion um, are they? How are they different from a you know mm-hmm. devil, as we might think about it, yes. it, them in Christianity or you know, those those sorts of things?
0: Yes. So so the the, the scientists who mentioned the, these 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 demons, some of them very explicitly said, you know, this has nothing to do uh, with religion. We're not talking about evil beings, um, um, and 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 from the time of Maxwell's when some scientists actually sort of reflected on their own use of, of the term to when they were used in, in, in computers and Unix systems. And these are the, the daemon, uh, a term that is widely used in in, in software development. Uh, they, they say that the origins are traced back to, to the Greek um. Uh, term of of demon or the the Greek use of of demon, where they're they're mischievous, uh, they they can help but they also hurt. They're tricksters, and and that's the same role that they play in scientific research. When when scientists are looking at at the at the world and they see something that they don't understand, it's extremely natural in a sense that they. You know, had recourse to that old world that that, that word and that old concept of uh, of the demon to understand you know try to understand better something um, but they're creatures of the imagination you know the, the scientists do not believe that that they that, that they're real uh, they believe they can be investigated and therefore they can be brought to life in one sense uh, um, uh, as as machines and technologies but it's never the, the, the demon itself that, that is uh, 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 an, existing, an existing entity. They're, they're demons of the imagination. That's, that's what they are. But for that very reason, mm-hmm. I think they're extremely important in understanding this, this unconscious drive of, of, uh, of the development of, of technology. And uh, um, the fact that they're imaginary, in fact, is what gives them their, their power. So oh, can you say more about that how how does the fact that they are
1: imaginary give them their their power
0: um, well we we rarely think about the the role of the of the imagination um, in in science it's something that, that that is often relegated to you know the study of science fiction or to to literature but the the imagination plays a huge role in you know, technical scientific uh, literature and uh, and and that's that's where where very frequently they use this this label in order to to propose things that don't exist but might exist so so one of the very weird things of of in in science is is the the notion of proving that something does does not exist. Um, that's a bit of an impossibility because things can come to be, things new things emerge, new discoveries happen. So um, there can be a point in time, you know, where 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 one discovers something that was believed to be non existent so the, so the the book is really uh, one of the, th- the the things that that intrigued me and that I wanted to write about is is also trying to to understand in a better way how certain things that that are deemed non-existent or not impossible become existent are actually. and and I think that that's uh, uh, central to to innovation and creating new technologies. that new things are brought to life. And how do we understand the role in the, of the imagination in bringing certain things to life and not others?
1: And so the the, the history of demons is almost like well, it's it's a way of um, because that's at, once we get about halfway through the book, we get you just talked about we get you talked about quantum demons a bit, um, mm-hmm. and you know that then the book gets into technological develop um, or technical developments computer demons um, and we can understand you know the, we can understand these de- you know how how we can understand these developments by reading them through the through this sort of lens mm-hmm. um, do you want to do would you like to talk about any of the other um, the the, the compu- um, technical developments so you you get into um, we talked a bit about um, AI mm-hmm. computers genetic genetics is another right. uh, the uh, the atomic bomb mm-hmm. there are a
0: lot in here the, the they are a lot and and, and and the book gets a little bit more complicated as it goes along because there are demons fighting with each other demons combining uh, with 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 each other so so computers bec- become a a combination of Laplace's demon which are you know big calculators but they also have a little bit of Maxwell's demon because they have input-output uh, devices in which they can change according to the the, the environment, um, and and then you have new demons coming up, and some of these new demons were software demons, and again the term was used by software developers, and in the 1950s, some of the first researchers in AI decided to to look at intelligence in computer intelligence in an, in a new way up to then it had mainly been understood by reference to Laplace's demons. So, so what a computer did was a big calculator that had an algorithm and it followed the path of the algorithm that was uh, um, prescribed from the very beginning. So in those machines, the Builder of the machine always knew the outcome. You know, you had certain data put in, um, and and then you knew if the result was 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 correct if the machine was built correctly. But in the 1950s, they they thought, well, you know, this this is this is limiting because we're only getting certain results that we already know. What about trying to build even more intelligent machines? And they thought that a way to change the architecture of computing software was to create little subroutines, sub software subroutines, uh, uh, basically if then commands that they call demons. And these lines of code, so these demons are, are, are literally li- lines of co- code called demons by those who program them, who follow if then commands. And um, they 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 are given given tasks, and if they see a match uh, uh, in 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 what they're asked to do, they're asked to holler or to shriek,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they're organized hierarchically in the computer program. So you have a new model of artificial intelligence that's based on hierarchy of demons that that shriek. And potentially can give you results that you didn't even think of beforehand. So that's the the, the model of AI, which is now fascinating and which uh, led to neural neural networks and, and which powers most AI. Uh, systems and, and and again, like all these other innovations from Descartes' demon or Maxwell's demon, they're both fascinating and scary, and that's the reason why they they receive so much attention, and focus, and why I believe that they do drive research forward in 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 quite distinct and effective ways.
1: So they drive research forward, but they also have implications for research ethics. You yes. conclude at at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, can you? Could you say a little bit more about um, what those implications might be, um, mm-hmm. and how how they connect to the way that we te- tend to teach research ethics today?
0: Yes, thank you. So, so mo- most of the di- discussion about ethics and technology is, is around uh, use and implementa- implementation. You know, should we have self driving cars? Should we have designer babies and and I think that by the time we're asking the, the those questions uh, it is too late you know these things are going to happen in some quarters some people are going to answer yes and some people are are going to answer uh no and uh, and we will be in that uh caught in that ethical dilemma because the question is already about use and implementation so I wanted to stay take a, a step back and say well you know let's again look at ethical questions before technologies are already here before they are built let's look at at what technologies we've been imagining and hoping for and let's try to start the discussion about ethics there and i think that 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 it's not a coincidence that uh the the fact that demons have been these thought guides of our scientific imagination creates, uh, you know, the sense that 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 they're demons uh, in the metaphorical sense in the world in the world. So when uh, very frequently when when uh, uh, people discuss new technologies, they that are scary or or that they're they're transformational. They think of them as as demons. So AI is very frequently described by Elon Musk and and other people as uh, uh, a, a you know a, a demon that's or a Frankenstein or or uh, mm-hmm. that's that's how, out of control. So so my hope is that better understanding how scientists are using their imagination, what are the categories that is framing their their questions, we can get a, a, a bit of a better grasp on. On the metaphorical uh, demons uh, that 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 scare us and and that make the world a very complicated uh, place in which to to thrive.
1: Part of the argument about ethics is that it doesn't do any good to take the ethics out of science, right? Mm-hmm. That um, that in a sense, um, this, this um, um, imaginative thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, speculative thinking, mm-hmm. that all of that is part of scientific discovery. It's not some separate thing over here that we can call research ethics. And so maybe there's a there's a way in which maybe um, it, it shouldn't be exercised necessarily. Um, and then that leads to a conclusion about sort of how this shadow history might be relevant to the relationship between the sciences and the humanities. Um,
0: yes. Y- yes. Thank, thank you. So, so, so definitely, I mean, I, I, I don't think that we should continue to, to, to see a, the the imagination as be- belonging to a, to a different realm that does not include uh, a science that is limited to, to literature or poetry or, you know, the fantasticals, fairy tales, uh, uh, be, because it is, those aspects that that play an essential role in the most technical aspects of of um, of of science and uh, and and my hope is that by by writing this broad history of the scientific imagination across four centuries that that it can give us a a far away and a distant uh, panorama of where science is going and uh, and again this is not a book about, uh, i'm not popularizing uh, si- science i think uh, readers will learn a lot of of science uh from from it but it is stepping back in order to give a broader picture uh where where we see from a humanistic perspective from a historical perspective the development of science um, more 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 broadly and um and i believe that 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 hopefully is one of the ways in which we can get a better grasp of what science are we doing and for what purpose and what are the the limits what have been the limits of our imagination uh, so far so i believe you know the as an interviewer you you know uh you get certain answers when you ask certain questions and i believe that when scientists are only asking certain questions to nature they're only getting uh certain answers from it and and that if we we think a little bit more carefully about what new questions we'd like to to pose. Uh, we we again we we can we can understand this better and control it better, and uh, and and make it a better uh, practical activity.
1: And of course, that's true of historians too. I remember um, one of one, one of my one of the professors when I was in grad school explaining archival research to me and saying the archive doesn't speak for itself. Like the archive only answers the the question, the the documents only answer the questions you bring to them. Absolutely. Um, And the the conclusion of the book for the risk of sort of like preaching to the choir is just a beautiful, it's just a beautifully written call for integrating the humanities and the sciences together, history, philosophy, and science. I just, that's my absolute (laughs) favorite part of the book. I won't ruin it for our listeners. You should check it out for yourself. Hemina, um, so we've taken up we've taken up quite a bit of your time. Um, could you tell us what you're what you're researching right now?
0: Uh, yes, th- 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 thank, thank you, Claire. The the so one one thing you know, I finished this book recently. I finished it. Finished proofs during during the pandemic. It's been uh, a hard period, I think, for all of us um, to work. Uh, I, I think it is it is a it was a fitting moment uh, to finish uh this 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 book that that is a little bit uh dystopian and and that and that looks at at the holes and the lacks of uh of 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 science and what we wish it it did better and what we wish from it it uh, i think the it it it's the beginning sentence uh says you know the glass of science is half empty and uh, and i think that the the pandemic in our current times have Revealed that in a very stunning and depressing way was we can't seem to solve this virus uh, uh, problem. Uh, and but I have been working on a new project, and this is a small book called Simply Einstein, and it's um, a, a a book about about Einstein and his life and his theory, and it is very. Daunting and challenging to to write yet another book about someone who has received so much attention and so much has uh, been been written about him, but I think that I'm writing and I'm trying to write the simplest uh, way of understanding his his theory and the most brutally honest uh, uh, account of the scientist and his great scientific accomplishments. So I'm, I'm, I'm almost done.
1: Oh, wow. And so, and this is a, so it's a, it's a short sort of, um, is it, is, is it for a different
0: audience than you usually write for? Um, yeah, yes, yes. This, this would be even in, in, you know, young adults and people that have no background in, in science or the, the history of science. And it's a short book around 60 pages, which makes the, you know Einstein. There's a lot to say about him, so it makes the, the challenge um, um, greater. And 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 again, you know, just just trying to to give you the most concise and most honest portrayal about um, the man and the myth uh, um, that I can
1: that's wonderful so so sim- simple but but not without nuance so that I mean, and and not and for without
0: originality I mean, and you know this is you know primary research based and of course you know a lot of secondary liter- literature but um but I I think even specialists of Einsteins will will find quite new things in it
1: well that just that sounds wonderful that sounds like a wonderful project Um, Hemina, I want to thank you again for for taking the time to come on the show and share your your work with us.